Hey there, this is Emily. And this is Rosa. Welcome to the Unchecked Podcast. We are two women from two different countries who will talk about living life in their late 20s. Hey everyone, welcome back to our latest episode. Today we're talking about productivity culture. So what does it mean to hustle? What does it mean to rest? And also the idea of the hedonic treadmill, which some of our listeners might know more about, but we're going to jump into that a little bit later. Um, Starting off, I think it's helpful for Rose and I to talk about what productivity and rest means in the United States versus um, in Europe or in Paris, right? Um, According to a lot of research, Americans spend 1.7K hours per year. And so we're topping at 39 out of 66 countries that have trackable working hours, which is pretty high up. On the other hand, France is at 61st place out of 66 at 1.5K hours. So that's literally, if you think about it, a 200-hour difference and 25 working days, almost a full month of vacation that y'all have. Hell yeah. Um, in addition, U.S. remains proudly alone as the most or the only advanced economy with no paid vacations, which is honestly super insane. And I really just want to talk about how, at least for the U.S., when we talk about productivity, we equate it to essentially worth, right? Like being a leader, being successful. Um, so yeah, Rosa, start. You could definitely like start us off. Like, how when you heard of that, about these numbers, does that resonate with you? And like, how does when you were working in U.S. versus how you're working here in Paris, like, how, what's how does that differ? So there's a lot to unpack here because, for example, the work week here in France is 35 hours a week, right? And so just starting with that, like, there's a little difference. First of all, I think that the main concept is that here. People don't live to work. They work to live. And that's a very Mm. different concept, right? Like people here enjoy their lives way more than in the U.S. Actually, like most of us just, you know, eat. Uh, When I used to work in Wall Street, I used to eat literally in front of my computer and like munch, munch something quick and continue working. But here, actually, people are more conscious of that and actually take one hour lunches where maybe they take a half an hour lunch and then they take a break of just walking outside and stuff such like that things like that so I think it's a lot of has to do with the way uh the culture views life right I feel like in the U.S. um everything is about bigger better faster stronger uh it's very interesting because now my brother is here and i see how he works and how i work and how i how much have had changed a little bit of background for me um i actually worked at wall street before moving to france I actually saved a lot of money so i was able to move to france but i had like a literally mental breakdown because of the crazy hours that i used to have and i told myself never again that i was gonna work such long hours for nothing and so when I moved to France, uh, one of the, there were some many reasons why, but one of the reasons was because I was definitely going to uh, stay here because of the working culture. I think that a lot of the times in the U.S., we are our job. And people really, like the first time, especially in New York, the first thing people ask you is, what do what you do, do for a living? 
you know, here people actually ask your hobbies and then your affiliation, what politics do you follow so they can scream at you. And no, I'm kidding, but there's more to life than just work. And a lot of the U.S. people don't realize that because they don't have anything else. They're like hamsters in a wheel, running, running, running. There's no stop. And I think that's the main thing. And I feel like the way the system keeps going is that they they give you these lies, right? Of like, oh, if you just work faster or if you just do this quicker, quicker uh, you're going to get promoted. But that is not necessarily the case, right? We know, especially because of what happened in this pandemic and literally all of our lives as millennials, that there's no such thing as meritocracy. You don't, you can work really hard and not get anything, right? For example, when I used to work at City, there was uh, another girl another lady, I should say, who was also up for a promotion, the same promotion as me. And actually, I left. I was like, well, I don't care because I'm leaving. I'm going to France. And actually, um, we had to downsize and she never got a promotion. She just had to keep working at that position. It's just even if they promise you things, that's not necessarily going to happen. So what is the point of making their packers like bigger, right? So mm -hmm. I think that's the main difference. Like the mentality... Um, that we have other things going for us. Like a lot of US people were crazy about the pandemic because they didn't have hobbies. I'm telling you, all of my friends in France for the most part were okay because everybody have a hobby here, you know? Like enrich your life with other things so you won't feel so trapped when you don't have something to do. You're not a hamster in a wheel. Maybe I should just move to Europe. Yeah, you should. Come here. I think it, yeah, it's so interesting you say all that because, I mean, I totally agree with you. Even when I talk to at least a lot of the friends from corporate, it's, they're just so proud of like, yeah, I worked 10 to 12 hours. You're not proud, but like obviously just also burned out. But yeah, I worked all this amount of hours this week. We're launching this. I'm doing this. And at least for <clears throat> in New York, being productive, living our lives and our jobs is a way an indicator of like social potential and being ambitious and social status however i think it's also interesting because i would argue that we still like our experiences but typically our experiences are tied to material things um in terms of like i'm spending money on going this to this beautiful museum event xyz like whatever is hip in the city versus actually dedicating it to a hobby or a sport you know um, where I think that's like kind of the difference. I mean, even in terms of what you, what you talked about in terms of political views, younger generations, I think they're more politically active, at least for millennials or older individuals, especially in New York. I think it's kind of like a, we don't really debate on that about it. It's more like, this is the fact and this is where I stand. And then we move on, right? We, we spend more on spending money rather than actually living full experiences or having those hobbies. Yeah, for example, a lot of people realize in the pandemic, like, bro, like, my hobby is going out. Yeah, like, eating out is not a hobby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, right. because of my Asperger's, I'm very into obsessed with things. Like, my new obsession is Peloton. And, like, I've been doing Peloton biking, like, a lot. Right, right, right. And then I get another obsession. So I understand, but I don't know. I don't like there's so many hours in the day like what do people do when they go out of work but also I have been trapped in like a low-wage job where I get out of my job and I have a I eat something 
and then the only thing they want to do is watch TV and not move because I'm so tired. So you kind of get like stuck into this thing. But mm -hmm. then you try to make the best of it, which makes me think about like the uh, hedonic uh, treadmill. And do you want to explain it? I think you're, you will be so much better at that than me. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. So when we talk about the hedonic treadmill, um, it basically is a metaphor for what you call your set point of happiness. So the idea is that no matter how good or bad something makes you feel, you eventually will return to your original emotional state. So let's say, for instance, um, I won the lottery, right, um, <clears throat> for $1 million, right? I... At that very moment, I win the lottery. Obviously, I'm so excited about all the potential I can use with one million. Obviously, one million doesn't go that far nowadays. But let, okay, let's say ten million, right? <laughs> Buy a house, send some money to my relatives, things like that. <clears throat> one study found that 18 months later, after anyone wins the lottery, their happiness just goes back to their baseline level, right? They have a new set of problems they have to adapt to, and so the atomic tremble basically means that or it supports the saying that money doesn't necessarily buy happiness. And it also explains why rich people aren't exactly as happy or happier than people that are, or don't have as much money or don't have any material things. And yeah, I think that it's just so interesting because I feel like a, a lot of the times, at least from my experience, I'm, I sometimes think, and my goal is to set for that next best thing, but I realize every, time and time again, every time I reach it, my happiness is maybe increased for that little set amount of time, and then it just kind of goes back to its set point, which is the concept of a Johnny treadmill. You know, I can't wait. I can't, I cannot, not not think about squid game when you say about the hedonic treadmill because it's the grandpa you know and if you haven't watched squid game watch it because I, I, this is like a spoiler but so spoiler alert spoiler, spoiler alert. alert but the last episode when you find out that he was behind everything and then he's like because i was bored and then he dies by himself you know, and the last person he sees is just a random, you know, that he met and was nice to him. It just makes you realize that you can have all the money in the world and still be a miserable person. Right. But yeah, we're all chasing money. Well, honestly, like, I mean, I think, for example, I know that in the U.S., after 75K, if you obviously have a house and other things, like more money doesn't make you happier. Right. Like, I think, like, for example, me. I know that the U.S. is a lot of frustrated future millionaires, and that's why a lot of people don't want to change policy because they're like, oh, I don't want to for the rich to get taxed because maybe I get make it rich and then I don't want to get taxed, right? But I I don't ever want to be a millionaire. I just want to live happily like how I am now, you know? Mm -hmm. And maybe have more money for trips. But besides that, like, I don't, I don't really find happiness in in money or like materialistic things so it is hard for me to to like for example when I had a conversation with my brother about how he's always setting like the next thing about uh like buying another thing it's always like like for his goals he's like oh now I'm gonna buy a house now I'm gonna buy which is great but it's just like all his goals are about buying things instead of like maybe working on himself learning another language and also like I just 
want to go back because I mean for me especially from being from various backgrounds like sometimes my brother is like sometimes he's so different that it shocks me because we come from indigenous culture and for us like everything is very communal and so like there's he sees his value about like he values himself like he sees his worth as how much money he brings to as a man you know to the table to the household but for example in our community um you can just exist like you just existing is enough to be worthy but i feel like in the united states and a lot of western cultures is you're not you don't have any worth as long as you don't bring something you don't consume right like mm -hmm. i didn't when i used sometimes in the u.s i used to go to store and i didn't find anything that i like but i felt obliged to buy something because i went inside the store right uh here like i don't feel like I don't know, it's a mental thing, but I don't feel like the pressure of buying things as much. Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. But in the US, I feel like it's a lot more like to be part of the society, you must consume, you must buy things, you must work. You must. So it's very limiting. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that speaks to like being able to pay for like collective experiences and i mean all all that which most of it requires money i mean i think it's so i wish i had your mindset rosa i mean this is for me uh, as well and i think it comes from my parents upbringing of like not having a lot i mean they're they not they don't have a lot but they're always happy right but for some reason i feel like i need to have a lot and be happy Um, and I think it's just like just very two different perspectives. It also might be because <clears throat> I'm an only child and like I see my parents aging. And so it's just more of like, oh, how the, like literally logically, monetarily, like how can I make sure that I'm taking care of them? Yeah, I think it's just like living, especially in the times knowing how my my parents grew up and without not much. I want to make sure I grow up comfortably and make sure my parents, you know, pass away or live the rest of their lives comfortably. Yes, that's true, because I think a lot of the th the times, like, I mean, we can go into, I mean, for example, there's a lot of videos that have come out that is like, oh, I'm against uh, productivity culture, uh, I guess, oh, I don't dream of labor. And I think it's very important to emphasize that the fact that you can say those things It's a, a big privilege that a lot of people don't have. It's very easy for me to sit here in France with like my five weeks off and say, well, I don't have any, you know, I'm going to Peru for three months. You know what I mean? Like, it's very easy to talk like that when you have kind of like those safety nets that in the U.S. we don't have. Mm -hmm. right? A lot of people really cannot even phantom having so many days off because they just can't afford it. Right. And even if they could, a lot of people just do staycations because it's like, well, I will take this week off and I get paid for this week, but I don't have the money to do anything with it. So I'm just going to stay home. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. Also, the the way that we see this has changed. I think that, for example, now that I have my stagiaire, my interns that are like uh, Gen Zoomers, Gen Xers, Gen Sears. Uh, the way that they have, like the way that they handle jobs is very different than us. I think that they're so much more chill. Like they don't really care as much. Um, 
I think it's more like when I was 23, when I was 22, I was career oriented as fuck, right? I was like, okay, I'm going to be here. Then I'm going to move to like, walk up the corporate ladder, right? And the Zoomers are like, I just want to bake TikToks. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But they're not, they don't feel that like pressure, I think. Yeah. That's interesting you say that. I mean, again, I haven't worked with a lot of Gen Zers, but I've been also reading up on it. And at least for the US, I've read that actually Gen Zers, well, they see like making a social good as a core requirement of the company they're working for, first of all. But they also think like to do social good and social impact, that also happens outside of their work life. But what's interesting with this population, like their focus is actually opposite of what you said, which is like they want to get a solid career because they've seen how millennials like us are still paying our loans, have gone through the, the market crashes and are like literally struggling to survive. So their goal is a, like they see this company or the first or second company they're in as a jumping point to make sure that they're accomplishing things later in life because they see the, they saw the lack of stability and grew up in the lack of stability and now they, they make sure they need it for themselves. I think overall, us and the Zoomer, as Zoomers as later generations, both of us have everything happen to us, right? Every single five seconds is something like a pandemic. You know, I feel like, like we are have you ever watched hercules where he goes to athens and he's like oh yeah was the fire before or after the drought or before like the giants came and hit us like everything that has happened within our lifetime for us for the zoomers and as millennials has been like once in a lifetime you know mm-hmm. it's like so many people have lived and died and none of the things that happened to us have happened and i think at the end we're kind of becoming more of like we're becoming more stoic and that's when I kind of like I'm trying something that I'm trying to build on and uh stoicism is pretty much uh, a school of Hellenistic philosophy which was founded by Sino of Citium in Athens in early third century BC and it's pretty much about the endurance of pain or hardship without displaying um any feelings or without complaint per se and pretty much it's just to say this too shall pass right that even in your lowest lows even when the most horrible thing happens you're still alive and then there's always going to be a tomorrow and Mm -hmm. i think with that a lot of us can continue on living right continue on working on becoming better right like a lot of us like especially like for example uh there's a lot of times that when my brother has like um panic attacks over work i'm just like what is the worst thing that can happen you can Mm. get fired but if you get fired haven't you lost a job before and got a better job and he's like yeah and like and then like okay then why are you so worried about but sometimes we're so like because I do this too. I mean, that's why I've been in therapy and the therapy has helped me, but we're so engulfed by our emotions that we just let them drive through us. And we're so, oh my God, this is going to happen. I have this deadline. And right, like it feels like the end of the world, but it's not. Yes. It's yeah. really not. It's like a fight or flight that you have. Like I have a really bad tendency to catastrophize a lot of things. Even when I, the moving in experience to my apartment, like I remember it was just for me the most, Herring two weeks and when I moved in I was like shit I'm so, I should be happy that I 
I'm able to afford to live my own place, but I just couldn't because that experience was so bad. And also what happened was that when I moved in, that's a simple, really dumb example, but an example of a catastrophizing, I realized that like I had a fridge in my apartment that that was older and made a huge noise the entire time. And I literally thought I was going to die. Like it was just like the anxiety with me was like, did I make the wrong decision? Why did I move out? I'm going to have to live with this noise for the rest of my life. When like all logical things say you can replace the fridge. Once you do that, it'll be fine. Like if not, you could always like get a noise machine. Like there's solutions to it, but I feel like as humans, we tend to catastrophize and think that whatever problem we have is going to live forever when sometimes, if not most of the time, there's always a solution that can be applied to it. Like with your brother, like, okay, he's like, he gets fired, quits his job, finds a new one, right? It's not like the end of the world for everyone. It's worrying is like a rocking chair. You move back and forward, but you go nowhere. And that's pretty much what it is. And I'm not saying like Hakuna Matata either, you know? <laughs> but I am saying that it's very important to actually especially when you're trying to be productive uh i think i think everything ties back because at the end of the day a lot of us are like oh i didn't sleep for five hours because i really needed to do this deadline and it's like okay but do you really need it because at the end of the day sometimes like i didn't sleep for for days almost you know like i only had like three hours to sleep to give something a deliverable back that my manager took like a month to get back to me on. Right. So like uh, to your point, you're, what I'm hearing you say is like being able to set boundaries even at work. Exactly. Which, yes, I know. I agree. That's the same thing with me. Like I, I, I'm a person that always has to do everything on my own. But then my therapist was like, you know, there's a thing called delegation. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> exactly. Um, which then leads to my perfectionism. I mean, I, I definitely acknowledge that. But also what I acknowledge, I feel like, Again, it comes to the place of like privilege to be able to have someone I can delegate to, to be able to even say no to my boss, right? Like I, I that a lot of people can't do that, can't get that time off. Um, so yes, I think that's some things that we can do, but I also want to acknowledge that it, it, it also might not be applicable for everyone, right? Like some people can't afford to lose their jobs, for instance. Uh, to change it up a bit about what you said about happiness i think um i have read and a couple books and most of them say that happiness comes from gratitude right and a lot of the times by just being grateful for things um what's it called like makes you happy just to be like okay well i'm happy that an able body i'm happy that um, for example, I have a roof over my shoulders. I'm happy. I mean, people that have less are usually practice this. And so they're able to, to live much happier than us because for example, my, I see people in Peru and like literally sometimes they don't have the best, so they don't have 5G, you know, they don't have fiber, but they're really happy. Meanwhile, I'm just here crying because I don't have fiber. You know what I mean? Sometimes we focus on things that are really not worth our time when we should be focusing on the bigger picture. And at the same time, I just want to make also a little bit of, of an appendix, like uh, a little bit of like a little 
thought here because we're talking about happiness and I think that it's a lot of triggering. Uh, it can be triggering for people that uh, have, for example, uh, depression, chronic depression. And so I know that a lot of times they people tell them, oh, but why don't you just try to be happier? And I know that's not possible for these folks. So obviously we're talking about just our, the life, us in general, like what makes us happier, but obviously that doesn't apply to everyone, right? Everybody has different experiences. And I think that the craziest thing and one of the hardest thing to realize is that I feel like everyone has a, a meter of happiness, right? Like the Hendon treadmill. And so people have like more serotonin power to make more serotonin and some people have less power to make serotonin right and some people are just like bitter old betties but that's nothing wrong like you know just go complain our way you know be mad all the time you know like don't be so hard on yourself because life is hard for all of us you know even those people even morning people you know like everybody <laughs> everybody has something um that like something that they're working on And I think uh, for me, had, for a lot of time was that, like try to be more grateful. Yeah, I hear you. I think, I mean, this is something I'm still working on, but I'm trying to do like a gratitude journal. I don't, I used to do it once a day, but then it got repetitive. So I'm trying to do it like a little bit less frequently. But I think times when I do feel down or I like, I don't know what I'm doing in my life, I always pull it out because it helps me really acknowledge of like all the things that I've accomplished And I think it's really interesting when you talk about happiness because for me at least, and I read this online, even though there are days where I feel truly happy, in my head, I'm like, oh God, like something bad is going to happen. Does that does that ever resonate with you? Like one of the, a few weeks ago, I went on a run it, during my lunchtime. Like luckily I was able to have lunchtime um, in Prospect Park. And it was just so beautiful. Like after my like run, I I did my time. It was like two miles. And then I was walking back. It was right at um, like golden hour. So I had like a late, like a late break. And it was just the sun hitting the leaves were so beautiful. Like you hear like kids playing in the background. It was just such a peaceful and for me like a happy moment. But ironically, the next thing that popped in my head was like, oh shit, this is a happy moment at any time something's bad can happen or like, oh crap, I have to do this X, Y, Z thing at work. And I'm trying to really self-discover like, why do I have that moment of like not enjoying and being grateful for what is happening at this moment? But what I do instead is just catastrophize and I can't appreciate the moment. And I think that's something I'm, st I'm still trying to work on. Yeah, it's hard to have those intrusive thoughts sometimes that kind of like take away your your moments. I try to be happy, but I think sometimes um, I think about how good I have it. And then I think about other people that don't have it as good. And I think that's what makes me sad sometimes that how lucky I am and I don't deserve it in a way. And there's people that are probably way more deserving that don't have as much. But I just try to think about ways in way in ways that I can help them and also hopefully um I know that if these people would have the opportunity like to be in the situation they would enjoy it, right? And just think like, okay, well, um I should enjoy it for those who can't. 
and at the same time i should be grateful anyways because obviously just being there like you know sad about something is kind of like also ruining the fun for everybody else so i try to try to focus my energy on that sometimes it's hard because i think about like a lot of things our friend group in new york um like i think it's hard like i see us how we live our lives in france and i wish we could export it to the world you know and have more time to actually enjoy life right i especially i hope that for example not my brother is staying here for two months and i really hope that he learns to a little bit from the lifestyle here to relax to go outside in the balcony and have a coffee for five minutes quiet your mind because at the end of the day you know you think you're being productive by working for eight hours non-stop but are you really because a lot of the times i'm telling you it's not about that how working harder is about working smarter i think here because i have i'm more relaxed and unable to think this through and unable to for example i spend one day with an algorithm by the end uh, of the day i finished with having mastery of this algorithm so by the next day i can show to my coworkers what i did and then we can go all game from it right meanwhile in the u.s i felt like so uh that i had to patch things up you know it was just like a bunch of like yeah it's like endless like short-term solutions when we could take five more minutes to have a long-lasting one so just because you stare at your computer longer doesn't mean that you are actually doing more for the company yeah that's a great point that you have i also just want to bring up the idea of like it's also not only important to be grateful but also to be grateful of the relationships you have with other people right not only your friends but also your family and i think oftentimes in pursuit of work we don't put as much effort or priority or emphasis on the people around us or yeah, they, we, because we take them for, you know, at ways at times take them for granted, you know, they, they're always going to be there in the background, but work is always a priority. And then sometimes when you're in deathbed, you're not going to be like, oh my God, I wish I finished project X, Y, and Z and got all this money. It's more like, oh, I wish I actually spent more time with my parents on Saturdays when instead of working all the time, you know, and I think that's just something, especially for us millennials, just have to like acknowledge and really think about. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, so we would love to hear from y'all. Like, what do you think about productivity culture? What are ways that you try to tackle your own hedonic treadmills in your lives? Um, and so we'll uh, see you next time. Okay, everyone. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.